What's up, players? Welcome to episode 6 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on our platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read in the show, send an email to readypressplay at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at readypressplay. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. I'm your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Luis Menchaca. Yo, yo, yo. How's it going, Luis? That's good. I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, the uh, There's a lot of talk about when it comes to some some movies. I know it's a topic of the show. It's a little spoiler. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, we, we got a great show planned for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a variety of different uh, like Sony and Nintendo news. We're going to be talking about the Dice Awards, and we're going to be getting into some of our favorite video game-themed movies. That is, if there is any good one. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, for shots sure, fired. For, <laughs> for sure, there is a, at least a couple good ones. Uh, but uh, to start, I just wanted to uh, do an addendum. This will probably become its own segment at some point. But uh, last week we were talking about Jeff Keighley leaving E3 and what that meant. And I said that there was like some leaks going around about the companies that were going to be at E3. Well, we got uh, an actual like official list since then. So I just wanted to go through it really quick uh, with uh, the exhibitors that have been confirmed to be at E3 that, this year. And that list includes... Bandai Namco Entertainment, Bethesda, Capcom, Hori, Microsoft, and Dreams, Nintendo, NVIDIA, Oculus, Sega, Square Enix, Take-Two Interactive, Ubisoft, and Warner Brothers Interactive. This, uh, yeah, so obviously this does not include Sony, which we already knew we're uh, skipping off on E3. Uh, what else? It does also does not include Electronic Arts, which typically does uh, their own event now. It does not include Activision, which skipped, I think, last year maybe for the first time, and I guess um, skipping it again this time. But it does still have some big publishers in there, so Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, Square Enix, Nintendo, Bethesda, Capcom, Bandai Namco usually has some good stuff. Microsoft is there. So what do you think about this, Les Lewis? So I'm just more surprised that Activision isn't going to be there to show off Call of Duty because with Sony skipping E3 and Sony has has been their partner this generation, you know, where that's yeah. where it would show up on their conference. That's um, true. And not to mention with it being next gen this holiday season, um, Call of Duty is going to be the best looking Call of Duty thus far because that's how I remember when Call of Duty Ghost came out. It's like they were talking about it, the graphics, the graphics It's going to be the most beautiful thing <laughs> you've ever seen. And I'd imagine that that would have been that similar narrative this year. And I'm, I'm surprised that they're going to have to figure out how they're going to capitalize on any marketing blitz in, around the E3 time. Yeah, that's true. And Activision not being there also means that Blizzard is not there in any form either. Which Well, I mean, that's no love lost there. <laughs> All right. Um but yeah, other than that, I mean, I'm sure there's uh, the the companies that are attending are still going to be bringing in the goods. So um, I guess even though E3 is not as exciting as it once was, uh, I'm still excited. It's still a good time for games and um, like finding out about new games. And I'm sure Nintendo is going to be bringing in the goods. Xbox is going to be bringing in the goods. Um, Square Enix is going to be bringing in something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm pretty I'm sure just... we'll we'll be covering it on stuff on this podcast. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I'd imagine. Yeah, for sure. Also, I don't hate on Square Enix. I was just fucking around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Sounds good. So, what have you been playing, Lewis? I see here in our doc that you've been playing Moore's Mesh Brothers. Yes. So let me ask you this, Dan. Have you ever have you ever wondered what uh, Smash Brothers 64 would look like if it got DLC? Um. 
I guess I can't. I, you know, I can't tell you that I like lose sleep at night thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonder, wonder no more, Dan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. Um, so I got into this mod. It's called Smash Brothers Remix, uh-huh. and it's a uh, it's a mod ROM hack of the original Super Smash Brothers, and it's it, what it does is, and it's it's still in active development, mm-hmm. and it adds new characters and new stages to the original Smash Brothers. That's so interesting. Does that include, does that mean like the characters they have been added to the games since or like completely original characters? No, no, no. It's like, uh, so for instance, right now there's, uh, there's currently five characters uh, available uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the current build. And there's seven empty character slots with question marks on the character select screen, meaning that there are seven more characters uh, that are to be announced uh, oh, by see. the developers. And so right now the, the five characters are all clones. And so, like, you have Falco, Ganondorf, mm-hmm. uh, Young Link, Dr. Mario, and Dark Samus. Mm-hmm. So, and they they did a lot of good things with the characters. Like, Dark, Dark Samus isn't 100% a complete carbon copy of Samus. And they gave her some, like, original moves, like, that aren't even in Smash Ultimate. So, like, for instance, Dark Samus's Nair is, like, Mewtwo's Nair and, and Pikachu's Nair in Smash Ultimate. And um, uh, with, with Falco, they... Uh, because in Smash 64, there are no side specials. And so with Falco, they decided to give him the illusion, which was Falco's side B in, in Melee and Beyond. And instead of giving him uh, the Falco laser, so like Fox laser. And so that's, I think it's pretty cool. And they've done a lot of cool things with, um, with Young Link, specifically buffing uh, his recovery to be way better than regular Link's recovery because his recovery was trash. So Young Link is a way funner, more playable character. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, stages as well. They actually uh, added some modern stages, so modern Battlefield, um, even Mementos from Smash Ultimate, which is a, a Persona stage. They added it in there. Smashville, Pokemon Stadium. They added a toggle for uh, hazards turn- to be turned off. And there's a lot of interesting little custom things. And I, I definitely appreciate the new stages because they have like the, the little chiptune soundtrack that it's going on with the original N64 hardware. So it's like a demake of all the current new stages. Interesting. So let me ask you something. What is like, what is the sell? Like, what is the, like for somebody that maybe like plays Mesh Ultimate and loves Mesh Ultimate, why, why would you think that they would like maybe enjoy playing something like that? It's like to like, maybe like, go back and appreciate like the history like where smash came from but also with an edit bonus or it's more like nostalgic for the players that grew up with it and want to like i would say it's that's the latter smash mm. i would say it's the latter so like smash 64 is completely been made obsolete by the newer the newer titles right. and uh there's it's not it's definitely from a technical sense is not the it is by far no means of the best game in the series. Uh, the game has was the the building blocks of what Smash was going to become, and so they didn't really like knock it out of the park on the first try. So, for instance, there's no there's no air dodging, there's no spot dodging, and uh, the hit stun is ridiculous in the game. So, from a technical standpoint, it's very um, like the defensive options are are terrible in that game, and mm. the current competitive meta is centered around uh, playing footsies. And the gameplay can be a little slow to watch because as soon as you get one opening, you should convert that one opening into a stock, like from zero right. to death. And that's how the whole competitive meta is built around zero to deaths. So I don't think it's a I don't think it's a good game to go to in the present day. It's not going to be very um, 
rewarding to new to newcomers. But if you grew up on it, then by all means. And for someone right. like me who you know, Smash 64 was like the the, the biggest game you know growing up. Uh, this was a very interesting added bonus, and I do appreciate the little nuances that that came with playing the game. And I appreciated playing as Ganondorf in 64 because I was able to swag out. <laughs> All right. I can't wait to hear about why Smash Brothers game you're going to be playing next week. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to be playing a different Smash Brothers game next week, but uh, I'll oh, get yeah. into that next week. Um, but as a separate side note, I did order an EverDrive, which is like a flash card that's going to be put into an original 64 since right now I've been playing it on an emulator on a, on a mm-hmm. PC. And uh, there's some limitations that my emulator has when it comes to rendering the, the, the graphics. And uh, I'm not gonna get into like the nitty gritty, but basically, um, when I played on full screen, it like it like takes away some some um, what's it called? Not graphics, um, textures. Textures go mm. missing, and so I have to. I if I played on in original hardware, it won't have those missing textures. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I just uh, played through and uh, and finished a little game called Sea of Solitude. And this is a game that came out in 2019. It's one of the EA Originals game. So kind of similar to A a Way Out and Unravel, I think, are other games that are within the same umbrella of EA trying to support, like, smaller studios and publish these um, smaller kind of artsy different games. And Seal Solitude, as you can kind of predict based on on the name, is a game built around the subjects of you know, like loneliness and depression and bullying and a lot of like kind of dark real life themes. Uh, but it presents them through this sort of like metaphorical way where you play as a uh, young uh, adult woman named uh, Kay who is going through a lot in her life. And she lives in this as, as you start the game, she's in this dark, like black and white world that has been flooded by water and there's a monster that lives in the water and the start of the game the mechanics are fairly simple it's almost like kind of like a a a timing game in a way where you're trying to uh do some platforming uh move around explore the environment collect uh certain items as you're trying to avoid this monster underwater and from time to time you can clear out corruptions in the environment which are these like black shadows or whatever and when you do so then you bring color back into the environment and the monster goes away as you go through the adventure though and it's one of those like one sitting like uh actually i, I did it in like two sittings and i think it total like I, I probably played it for a total of, like four or five hours um but as you go through like she finds these other monsters and some of the monsters are kind of reflections of herself as you can like kind of predict by playing the game it's not that big of a spoiler and some of the monsters are more like people that she has to help in her life um and i thought the game was interesting like i tend to like these like different artsy like um story driven games and and games that are trying to uh do something different with the medium uh my only criticism of this game which i think kind of held it back quite a bit is that the whole thing is voice acted like the whole experience has a lot of voice acting but it's not really high quality voice acting and the dialogue with the voice acting kind of makes it a little bit almost like a little bit cheesy at times or a little bit like almost like overexposed where i wish they would have held back on that a little bit and had made it more like um like like you know journey doesn't need any dialogue to be to to be meaningful you know and to you know um make you feel like emotion and get involved in the game and feel like it feels very immersive and etc um a game like brothers does uh like the 
how, how would you call that like the the dialogue that you can't really understand where it's just like you know or whatever it is that yeah. they do in the... and some of it's actually based on some other language but we don't i forgot i read it on a wikipedia article oh yeah yeah i think i read that too uh but this game is just like constantly like the characters like constantly talking to you like in english and the other characters are constantly talking to them it just feels too on the nose it's like they they make it so clear like everything is like spelled out like that's happening in the game that it kind of takes away from i think the the effect of discovering it and like uncovering like the story so, instead so you're saying like basically show don't tell kind of thing yeah i i would have preferred it if they had done if they had approached it on a more like a sh- show don't tell or ki- ki- kind of approach or maybe had like some dialogue but but not as much and and that's not just a like, I, when I finished it, I was wondering if that was, like, I, I had been the only one that had that opinion. But I looked at reviews of the game, and a lot of people basically ended up having the same kind of criticism where it's, like, this was a really cool premise. It was, like, a game trying to, like, um, like show, like, a cool message. But it was so, like, it hits it hits you over the head with it, like, so much. Uh, and the gameplay is not that, like, innovative that, like, when you end it, you can't help but feel like, all right, this is okay. So as far as metaphor goes, is this like the bad version of li- of Life of Pi? I've actually never watched Life of Pi, by the way. Oh my god! <laughs> I know it's it's crazy. It's like one of those movies where I, I find it unbelievable that I haven't watched it actually because it's been on TV so much. Like I I remember like I don't have I haven't had cable in years, but back when I had cable, I remember I would like be flipping through the channels and it would always be on something. And it like my family all watched it like multiple times. I've seen people watch it in planes, like whenever I'm flying, like <laughs> all the time. And somehow I've just never watched this movie. I, so, I I was just never that interested in it actually. So in high school we had to read the book. It was a book oh, first. Oh, I see. And um, I'm gonna give you a small, tiny spoiler for Life of Pi. I don't care. Um, we'll put it on the show notes. <laughs> okay. People uh, well, can skip it. Basically, the like the long story short is this guy gets um his ship wrecks in the middle of the sea and he gets on a on a like one of those random uh, raft boats or like those inflatable boats or that was a wooden boat mm-hmm. i don't remember but it was some just some boat and they're stranded in the middle of the ocean and uh, for the whole story takes place in with these other animals that were on the ship one of them was a tiger and there was some other other animals and he ends up he ends up rescuing the tiger and it stays on the boat and he just tries to fight with the tiger so he doesn't the tiger doesn't eat him so uh, the okay. movie at the end of it all was um, it kind of stalls out was for himself. you. Huh? It mm-hmm. was a, it was a metaphor. Like mm-hmm. the tiger was actually another person, not an actual tiger. Mm-hmm. And so he's telling the story uh, to the people, like how how did they how why did these people die or whatever. And then he gives you two stories: one, the story that you read the whole time, and the little one paragraph synopsis where it was a metaphor that this this tiger was this person, and this animal was this person, and this animal was this person. Huh, I see, I see. Yeah, it, I guess it's kind of like a similar thing then. But well, I also anyway. looking at the uh, the screenshots of like the I remember watching this trailer by the way, and I see yeah. the trailer with this uh, the, the person on the boat and then there's like the little uh, uh monster circling him in the water and it's kind of like a darkish blue. So yeah, mm-hmm. it does give me a lot of Life of Pi vibes. Yeah, it feels kind of like um when there there are times when the game is very colorful and then there are times when the game is darker. When it's darker, it kind of looks like inside uh sort of. Uh, I think it, they were going for kind of like a similar um like color scheme. Uh and then when it's when you've like cleared the corruption and you're traveling through like the normal world, it's more like like Wind Waker or something. So the game definitely looks good. Like I actually was fairly impressed by the 
like kind of like the the art style and the art direction of it but yeah it's just it it's just like an okay game if you're if you're interested in it definitely check it out i mean i i definitely want to like support developers that are trying to do like like different stuff like this it just like i don't think it was as well executed as it could have been um but yeah that's my ultimate thoughts on uh sea of solitude and that's the game i beat in february so i'm still you know two for two on my promise of uh finishing a game every month obviously i don't think i'm still playing fire emblem but i don't think i can finish that for a while so in the meantime i decided to go and uh, play through something short and uh and like kind of get it done with so that i can check that month all right cool uh let's get into the news so to start uh, this, uh, I'm going to be reading it from IGN, uh, as written by Jordan Sirani. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot topped January sales. GTA V returned to the top five. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot was the best-selling game in the U.S. for the month of January, according to the NPD. Kakarot brought in the third highest first-month sales total for a Dragon Ball video game, coming in, be- in behind Dragon Ball Fighters and to- uh, in 2002's Dragon Ball Z Budokai. GTA V notably returned to the top five for the first time since August. As noted by the NPD, it remains the best-selling video game of all time in the U.S. Um, and then here's the here's the full top ten. It goes like this. Number one, Dragon Ball Z. Number two, Modern Warfare. Number three, Madden NFL 20. Number four, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number five, GTA V. Number six, NBA 2K20. Number seven, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number eight, Mario Kart 8. Number nine, Ring Fit Adventure. Surprising, yeah. in my opinion. And number ten, Red Dead 2. I'm surprised I Ring Fit Adventure in there as well. Yeah, so uh, I think that's that's an interesting one that uh, I wasn't expecting to uh, make much of a splash, but apparently it's like being continuing to uh, continuing to sell. And obviously GTA Five, the game that just keeps on giving and keeps on selling, nothing surprising there. And it's cool to see that DBZ Kakarot stole the number one spot in there um, in a in a fairly I would say a fairly quiet January that didn't see a lot of big name releases. So it's yeah, kind of cool that I think January was kind of a not necessarily a lackluster month. Well. Yeah, it's kind of there was really nothing exciting, but I guess they it was an open wide open field, so they just were able yeah. to just drop Dragon Ball Z, and then like everyone's gonna get hype for it. So yeah, cool. exactly. So yeah, good for them. Uh, and then for the fifteenth consecutive month, Nintendo Switch was the best selling console as of December thirty first, twenty nineteen. Nintendo has sold over fifty two million Switch units. So yeah, the Switch keeps on killing. Uh, that's crazy that they were the top selling console for fifteen months in a row. Nice. Um, that's probably going to change. I feel like that might continue until the PS5 and the Xbox One. Um, oh, sorry, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X come out at yeah. the end of this year. Agreed. Well, because uh, so I, I we'll get into that at another time, but I'll, I don't <laughs> want to get into that. But I, I just wanted to go back to just going to say Grand Theft Auto Five at the rate it's going, it might top the list in the top twenty for the the top twenty selling games of the twenty twenties. Oh yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine? It makes the list on two decades. Yeah. Oh wow, that would be insane. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. We'll see if they uh, bring it to a uh, next gen. I'm I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with that game when uh, next gen hits. All right, talking about next gen. Um, this is coming your way from Bloomberg uh, by Takashi Mochizuki. Sony is struggling with PlayStation Five price due to costly parts. Scar's components have pushed the manufacturing cost for Sony Corp's next PlayStation to around $450 per unit, forcing a difficult price-setting decision is, uh, in, in its battle with Microsoft Corporation, according to people with knowledge of the matter. 
those are the best sources, by the way, people with knowledge of the matter. Uh, <laughs> the Japanese conglomerate is preparing to gradually replace the six-year-old PS4 console, releasing its PlayStation 5 the same holiday season. Its arc rival debuts the upcoming Xbox Series X. Sony typically finalizes a console's price in February of the release year, followed by mass production in the spring. With the PS5, the company is taking a wait-and-see approach, said the people, asking not to be named because the details are private. The PS4 released in 2013 at a retail price of $399, uh, and it was estimated to cost $381 to manufacture, so with like a slight profit margin in there of about uh, $18. With the $450 unit cost and a similar gross margin, the PlayStation 5's retail price would have to be at least $470. That would be a hard sell to consumers, considering Sony's most expensive machine now is the $400 PS4 Pro, and it is often discounted. In fact, deals of the week... The PS4 Pro is currently $300 on Amazon if you want to go check that out and snatch that. Um, a cor- uh, consumers will benchmark their expectations based on the PS4 Pro and PS4. Uh, analyst uh, da- Damian Thong said, If Sony prices above that, it would likely be to balance the need to offset higher materials costs against risk to demand. So do you think that... Uh, how much do you think the, the PS5 would cost, Louis? I'm going to come out and say $500. I think... Yeah. Um, I think that when it comes to the in the hindsight of like the of the PS4 and the Xbox One is that everyone at the time the marketing speak was like oh it's the most it's so powerful and stuff but everyone says in hindsight that they were very weak compared to their time that they launched in and so I mm-hmm. feel like they are not trying to make that same mistake um, anymore. Uh, Sony's more confident and so they're gonna go and uh, spend a little extra on some good components and good hardware. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's complicated. I feel like it's I it's very hard to predict right now because Sony has sold consoles at a loss before, and and that's something that uh, other companies have done too. So I feel like if they wanted to undercut the Xbox, they could potentially take either like sell it at cost or like take a little bit of a loss um, to try to do that. But I'm also willing to bet that they're not going to because honestly, they kind of don't need to. I feel like. Sony is in a very good spot right now, and I feel like like Microsoft has become this company where they're the ones that always have something to prove, and they they've been doing a great job at at proving that they're that they're worth something, and they're they're coming up with great services and buying great studios to bring out great games and everything. But I feel like they're still the ones that are having to prove something. So at the end of the day, I think it makes sense for Sony to go either like five hundred dollars or. 450 um, or 480 or something along those lines. Typically, consoles release at that, like, you know, like uh, 399, 499 spot. It's like, I don't think you typically see something in between, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I could see, I could see it going both ways. I could see them trying to undercut Xbox and I could see them just going, you know what? This is our product. This is how much it costs. This is our business model. And people are going to buy it anyway because, like, God of War 2 and Spider Man 2 and Horizon 2 are going to be on it, you know? PlayStation 400, PlayStation 500. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess that makes sense, right? <laughs> no, but Although also... that didn't apply for the PS3. <laughs> <laughs> they just did it times two. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So I, uh, I will add to that that um, I will do what they did with the PlayStation 3 with that, with that Sony executive quote, and I will work a second job to get a PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going <laughs> to wait, by the way. I... Uh, I feel like I'm not in a rush to get the the next generation of consoles, especially because I don't think there's going to be that much motivation to or that much incentive to do so right then. But we'll see. Now, for the time being, 
And I'm about to read this next story from IGN by Matt Kim. Sony has announced that it is canceling its participation in the upcoming PAX East due to concerns over the novel coronavirus. The company announced the news as an update to its PlayStation blog post detailing its PAX East plans. Today, Sony Interactive Entertainment made the decision to cancel its participation at PAX in Boston this year due to increasing concerns related to COVID-19, also known as uh, novel coronavirus. Sony wrote in an update to its February 13th blog post. Sony was originally scheduled to present the first playable public demo for The Last of Us Part II at PAX East. Other games in Sony's PAX East lineup included Marvel's Iron Man VR, Neo 2, Doom Eternal, Spelunky 2, and more. It is unclear if the demo will still be available since Sony has decided to pull out of the event. IGN has reached out to Sony for more details, including whether The Last of Us Part II will still be available as a demo at the show. The outbreak of COVID-19 has interrupted several planned gaming events already. Overwatch announced it will temporarily relocate its Chinese teams to South Korea, and Nintendo confirmed the outbreak will impact Animal Crossing New Horizons shipments in Japan. So I feel like we keep reporting this uh, on this over the last couple of weeks, but the coronavirus keeps influencing the entertainment industry and the games industry. What's next, GDC? Well, you know, it's funny because I I making plans to I'm finalizing my plans to uh, go to GDC next month, which I I've been doing every year for a couple of years now, and I'm I'm starting to be a little concerned about it because, you know, with with everything that's going on and it, it's a big convention attracts people from everywhere. I'm probably gonna end up still taking my risks because that's just what I I tend to do in situations like this. But uh, yeah, I I can't uh, I would be lying if I said that I'm not a little bit uh a little bit worried about it. Well, like con- um, coronavirus aside, just there's like the, the phrase convention sickness is a thing. And yeah. that's why when you have like tens of thousands of people all like, you know, convening on one location, you know, shaking hands and all that stuff, you're, it's something's going to spread, you know, that's yeah, that's how things so work. I'm I mean, probably just going to try to be like safe about it. And, you know, like if you're going to any convention, by the way, let the listeners out there, yeah, just make sure you wash your hands a lot. Don't don't just like shake like the hands of like 20 different people and then go and like eat a burger with your hands. It's like kind of hard to avoid sometimes in conventions like this. But, you know, have some uh, what is it called? Have some hand sanitizer on you. Um, maybe avoid shaking hands when uh, when not needed and etc so shout that's the out advice to, out there shout out to sony at, at psx because as part of your welcome packet thingy with all the you get like a, your map and your materials and all this other stuff they actually throw in a little hand sanitizer in there that's nice yeah. that's a, that, that was a very nice uh initiative from them then yeah it's uh not to not to get speculative about it but do you think that uh do you think that they're 100 percent honest about that reason i mean they're gonna they had a huge marketing blitz i mean you have like marvel and and uh, Square and right. id software, you had yeah. a lot of contracts going on. There's no way in hell that they're gonna like you know lose money or lose a promotion, yeah. Unless it was something that serious, I would imagine that they would have rather gone ahead with it. But they would be putting the the health of their own employees um, when with these yeah. demo stations, and not to mention the handling controllers and how many people are gonna be lining up playing holding those controllers. You're right. It's just uh, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, but. Um, yeah, I saw some speculation going around, but I also didn't like give it too much thought. I just wanted to throw it out there. But yeah, um, as, a, as another thing, though, I'd, I just it really sucks for Penny Arcade uh, because I'd imagine that they would have had their like maps already printed out with like the Sony right. on the floor space and everything like they had all these materials done and now they got to like re-edit them or re reprint them so that way they can hand them out at the show floor and or maybe and, just say fuck it <laughs> <laughs> that too but also like this the thing is is like 
they had a huge amount of floor space and I, I like there's no way you know it's kind of like a real estate it's it's valuable so I right. want to I want to know what they're going to do with it how are they going to divvy it up or, or are they going to just going to have like open carpet there yeah I don't know we shall see uh, it's also for, a week out that's such a short notice I know and like they announced the plans and then I think it was like a couple of days later that they canceled the plans and then now it's like we're at, we're almost there too so uh if you go to pax east and uh you have updates on what ended up happening let us know just tweet, tweet at, at ready <laughs> yeah tweet at ready press play uh for our next story from gamesindustry.biz by matthew handrahan untitled goose game wins game of the year at dice awards 2020 and i just wanted to do like i'm not going to read this whole thing but i just wanted to do a quick uh roundup of the winners of the dice awards the dice uh, com- is a convention an event that happens in las vegas and it unites a lot of people from uh, the games industry. They do panels and everything. You, you can go and read some more into that. Look at some of that stuff. It's, it's kind of like, a, I think, like a slightly like smaller GDC um, that happens in Vegas every year. And they also do this award show that the interesting thing about this one is that it's voted by actual like workers off the industry. Uh, and typically they will work on the they'll vote on the fields that they're uh, a specialist on. So somebody like. Like somebody like me, who's a programmer, if I was voting on this, I would probably be voting on the tech uh, award or something like that. But here's the results. Game of the Year, Untitled Goose Game, Action Game of the Year, Control, Adventure Game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Family Game, Mario Maker 2, Fighting Game, Mortal Kombat 11, Racing Game, Mario Kart Tour, RPG, The Outer Worlds, Sports Game of the Year, FIFA 20, Strategy Game, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Immersive Reality, uh, Technical Achievement, Blood and Truth, Immersive Reality Game of the Year, Pistol Whip, Outstanding Achievement for Indie Game, Goose Game, Portable Game of the Year, Sayonara Wild Hearts, Online Game of the Year, Apex Legends, and then out of the category ones, best game design, Baba is You, best game direction, Control, uh, animation, Luigi's Mansion 3, art direction, Control, character, untitled goose game, The Goose, original music composition, Control, audio design, Death Stranding, story, Disco Elysium, and outstanding technical achievement, Death Stranding. I, I wholeheartedly agree with the animation winner, Luigi's Mansion 3. Mm-hmm. 100% true. Yeah, that's definitely something that that studio is really good at. Um. I also think a lot of these other awards, like to me, make sense. I go through them. I think some of the categories are a little bit weird, but uh, for the most part, I'm like, yeah, for the games that I know and that I'm familiar with, yeah, that makes sense. Mario Kart Tour for Racing Game of the Year, a bit weird. No. Um, no just not. But Goose Game winning Game of the Year, it's also, or I should say, Untitled Goose Game. Congratulations to House House, the developers of the game, but I, I would not have ever seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, I That one kind of like, um, it baffles me. Because like I'm not mm-hmm. sure what makes it so like I've seen I've seen playthroughs on YouTube and like you know I know what it's about but I just don't and it's just, it's such a short game too like no yeah. no don't no discredit to short games out there but I just don't understand why it wins out over other amazing games that came out in 2019. Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's a, like a fun little um like funny joke game it's it's polished it's well made it's not like something like goat simulator where it's like it was like intentionally buggy and trashy it's it's a legit like nice polished game but it's also like there's not that much to it other than the the kind of the memeness of it so it, it did like goose being an asshole to people yeah so it did surprise me quite a bit especially like in care in the character category as well because I mean, not to discredit it, but there's probably not that much to that character as compared to like other like fully written and fully voice acted uh, characters in other games that were nominated for that category. 
So it's a bit surprising. I, I, yeah. I feel like it's one of those scenarios where because this year did not have like a clear like standout uh, front runner for these awards. Like previous years had like God of War and Red Dead Two. Before that, it was like Breath of the Wild and maybe Horizon and and some other games in previous years. This year was more. I feel like it was more split where there were like a lot of great games, but there were great games that appealed to a certain audience that liked those games that my guess is that the vote just split through all the games and this one just came out like a tad above everything else so like if you looked at the split i don't remember which were the nominated games by the way we can maybe you can look that up while i while i say this sure uh but if there were like five games like it's almost as if each one of the other four maybe got like 18% 18% of votes and then Goose Game got like 26, you know what I mean? Um that's Well, like I'm guess. expecting like some kind of like Oscar system where it's like you you vote for the your like first, second, third and then there's some kind of aggregate like point system. Like yeah. that's how the Oscars work and like if that's true, then I'd imagine that game being like the least offensive game or the least um the least um maybe the game that the most people played and and thought was okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, let's see here. Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, Outer Wilds, and Untitled Goose Game. Okay, well that explains that. Yeah, that's an interesting uh that's an interesting list too. Um but, you know, nonetheless, congratulations to House House and that's been it for the Dice Awards. Now for our next story, uh did you watch the Animal Crossing direct today, uh Lewis? I did. I was uh- um just checking it out simply because I was hungry for a direct in general. Yeah, same. I'm not even that into Animal Crossing or anything, but I, I woke Ditto. up this morning. I didn't I didn't watch it live, but I woke up this morning and then as I was getting ready to go to work, I just uh turned it on my TV and then and then watched it. It was cool. I'm gonna read a little bit of a roundup here from Kotaku as written by Mike Fahey. I'm probably not gonna get into all the d- details and the minutiae. If you're interested, you should probably just go watch the direct or actually read the the full article. Uh Today's Nintendo Direct delivered a wealth of new information about Nuke Inc.'s deserted island getaway package. Here's what we've learned about island life in Animal Crossing New Horizons. You know the basics. Animal Crossing drops the player on an island, gives them a tent, and sets them loose to crap decorate and get to know their adorable animal neighbors. Players pick an island layout and select a hemisphere to live in, which affects how the seasons play out. Desert island life is different from cozy village life. The Animal Crossing New Horizons island is... is wild, untamed place filled with danger. Of course, it's Animal Crossing danger, which is never all that dangerous. Is that a ghost? Did someone die? There's there was like a ghost in the game at some point, some point, which we don't know too much, too many details about yet. Players need not go alone into that dark night. Up to eight players can live on a single Animal Crossing New Horizons island at the same time. Players who share an island can participate in party play, forming teams of up to four to explore together. One player is the leader, with the other four following. Leaders can be switched on the fly, giving everybody a turn. And when they say eight players can live on an island at once, that also means eight family members can share an island on a single switch. Up to eight user accounts on a single system can inhabit the same getaway, building their own houses and everything. Families with multiple multiple switches can play together via local multiplayer as well. To keep players engaged in the game all away from their Switch, Nintendo's developing a special Nook Link program inside the Nintendo Switch online cell phone app. Players will be able to scan QR codes from previous Animal Crossing games to import designs or chat online with friends either by text or voice chat. And there's a variety of new stuff. Uh, there's also going to be Amiibo integration. They also talked about stuff that's going to be coming in later uh, to the game. So any thoughts? 
Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got. I get, I don't really <laughs> have a lot with the Animal Crossing. I only played a little bit of it on the 3DS. Um, mm-hmm. It Same seems thing. like a, a very fun game that's just like one of those relaxing, like come home from work and just kind of work on your house and your town. In this case, your island. It just seems like um, like um, a Facebook game that you used right. to play back in the olden days, except it's not like heavily monetized. Right. Yeah, I uh, like I appreciate it. I appreciate it that it's that kind of game. And like you said, it's it's still a one like a one purchase and you have it and then you play it kind of game. And, and uh, the game also changes through the seasons it's, as you play it through the year. There's things that only happen on certain days and whatnot. So that's like very cool. I was going to say, I'm not sure how I feel about that uh, because they said that they're going to do updates for the seasonal events. So like for Easter and for Halloween and Thanksgiving, normally they're just programmed into the game. So like in the older games, you could just time travel to the holidays that you want to collect your stuff on. And now mm-hmm. you can't do that because it's not even in the game until Nintendo oh, says it I is. See. I see. You know, I feel like they're just trying to... I feel like what players used to do in the past wasn't in the past wasn't as much as an unintended feature as it was more they cheating the game. So I kind of understand why they would want to maybe do something different. But I also I'm not an Animal Crossing player, so I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I anyway. mean, <laughs> I don't, we, we're talking. We're, we're, I think we're both out of our element here. But I, I just uh, I just know that that's something that I don't. I'm not sure if Nintendo is going to be having to work on those those seasonal events, you know, post launch because. You know they need to get they need to ship this game out, or if that's something that they were intentionally going to do from the get go is to withhold that content so that way when Christmas rolls around you can have your Christmas shirts and your Christmas furniture and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably a like the answer is probably both where like they probably could use the extra time to make things better and more polished and then that way it also uh make like kind of forces players to play it like through the year. I think it makes sense like considering the time that we live on right now and with the you know what live service games are like and when you look at things like Fortnite and Apex Legends and etc. I think it makes sense for Nintendo to try to make Animal Crossing something that works kind of I mean, it's it's a weird comparison because it's such a different game, but something that works in a similar way where there will be like content drops, like, and that people will be wanting to get the latest updates to do the latest things and et cetera. And hopefully they're not going to bring in extra, uh, to, at least not, you know, to agree just like extra monetization into it or anything. But we'll see about that. So it's a nice, not necessarily forceful way, but like a gentle way to yeah. <laughs> make sure people come back for more and they don't just drop the game in their rotation. Yeah, exactly. Talking about, you know, uh, adding new content to games, uh, Sakurai has said that the second fighter pass will be last DLC for Smash Ultimate. This is coming from my Nintendo news. Uh, the hardworking Masahiro Sakurai has taken to its to his Famitsu column to proclaim that the fighter pass volume two will be the final batch of downloadable content for the excellent Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. He also went on to say that the characters themselves are chosen by the team in Nintendo and that he has no plans for a new Super Smash Brothers game in the future. So very short news blurb there. Uh, I feel like I don't believe this. And what I mean by that <laughs> oh. is I oh believe the literal, like, there are no plans right now. But everybody's taking this as, like, gospel, as this, as in, like, this is going to be, like, like there's not going to be any more characters. And I think that if the characters keep on selling and if there's a financial imperative to keep doing this as opposed to making a new Smash Brothers, I think they're, they might keep doing it. But you never know. Well, I mean, Smash uh, Sakurai, he needs to get some sleep at some point. That's nah, he's he's fine. His, uh, bless his poor little heart. Um, I know. I mean, like I said, I don't. I think that he's. We don't deserve him. 
Uh, I think we as a community, <laughs> the Smash community, you right. know, we're too entitled. But I just kind of, I kind of feel a little bad because, like, in the little uh, post or the column in the article, it was talking about how he he is not allowed to work on or direct any games because he's busy working on the fighter pass. And I think that kind of sucks because I know he wants to, you know, be uh, exercising his creativity on other games, like what he did with Kirby Air Ride and Kid Icarus Uprising. So Mm. it just kind of seems like he's not necessarily like, I feel like it's an overstatement to say he's being shackled, but it kind of feels that way in some, in some respects. Right. No, yeah, I I understand. And uh, we'll, Let's hope that he can. He's able to uh, spread his wings and fly and and go and like uh, do some di- different stuff in the future. Um, but it would also be nice to keep getting Smash Brothers characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I wholeheart- heart- yeah. wholeheartedly agree. I'm as selfish as I am. My own interest would be like, yeah, make more. Like, kind of crack the whip, whoosh, you know, <laughs> more like mush. mush and obviously, kind of we're just fucking around here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not even playing Smash anymore. So I mean, go get your rest. It's fine. <laughs> I just I don't I don't take these news uh, that seriously because it seems like a very casual like I don't know. I, I things could change, and it, it, they're more talking about like what the plans are now versus. And I'm pretty sure he has said similar stuff about other Smash games in the in the past. That is true. He has said a lot of contradictory statements before, like Ridley's too big kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right, so now for a quick wrap-up of the news that did not make it into the show. Publisher Annapurna Interactive has announced that Sayonara Wild Hearts is coming to Xbox One on February 25. THQ Nordic has confirmed its intention to make a full gothic remake after the recently released playable teaser popular. After introducing limited cross-console play back in October, PUBG 6.2 update finishes the job by allowing PS4 and Xbox One players to squad up in a single party. Take-Two Interactive subsidiary Private Division, the publisher of The Outer Worlds, has opened a new studio in Seattle, Washington, to handle development on the Space Flight Simulator series Kerbal Space Program. And other than that, just a couple other things that you may want to go look at. Um, There's a new series of Tiger's retro LCD handheld games, uh, which are going to be featuring... um, So so Hasbro is bringing back another... uh, This is from The Verge. Hasbro is bringing back another 90s classic, the Monochrome Tiger Electronics LCD handheld. If you grew up with games, uh, playing games in the 90s, you've probably seen these things. As with the originals, each device will play a single game. The lunch titles include The Little Mermaid, Transforms, uh, Generation 2, Transformers Generation 2, X-Men Project X, and Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Uh, and then the final thing here is that... Um, Starting February 24th, uh, PlayStation is going to be doing a PlayStation Player Celebration event. Uh, so you can go and look into this, sign up with your PSN ID, and then there's going to be like some ghost that you can you can do like play certain games or win certain trophies or etc. And you can win prizes through that. So just kind of quick roundup of like other things that are happening in the week. Anything that you want to comment on, Lewis? Well, I'm I'm very uh, excited for the Tiger Electronics handhelds. I used to grow up with them in elementary school, and I remember like getting in trouble because I brought one to school, like when I was in kindergarten. Um, really? As far as, <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the th, uh, the only other thing that I wanted to comment on was the THQ Nordic story. I remember that they were in the news because they made. Um, I believe did they buy another developer into? Oh their yeah, wings? they did. Yeah, so they may their the number of studios that they have acquired under their umbrella is now gotten to the point where they may be like a big player as far as publishers go. So they may be up there with like the Activision and the EAs because maybe for next gen, they can actually have a very decent output. Yeah. 
I, I think that's very possible. And here's what you're referring to, um, bringing this from Eurogamer. THQ Nordic, parent by The Witcher 3, Nintendo Switch developer Saber Interactive. So this this is the the developer for The Witcher 3 Switch port, not, CD, not to be confused with a CD Projekt Red. The parent company of THQ Nordic has brought... Uh, has bought Saber Interactive, the studio behind the recent Witcher 3 Nintendo Switch port, and World War Z in a deal worth up to $525 million. So, and yeah, they keep on. Speaking of The Witcher 3, they got an update on the Switch. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, let's just uh, get right into that and talk about, you know, new releases and updates and things along those lines. So, yeah, as you said, The Witcher 3 on Switch just got an update that adds new graphical options, touch control for Gwent, the card game inside the game, and the ability to port your save between Switch and PC, which I find very interesting. Um, So you could potentially be playing the game on PC and then taking on your Switch with you. I wonder how convenient that is to actually do. Um, Other than that, there's also uh, the first free No Man's Sky update of 2020 is here, giving players an all-new way to explore the universe. The Living Ship update gives players the ability to discover, nurture, and eventually fly their own procedurally generated living vessels, navigating the spaceways inside unique sentient creatures. So, very weird sci-fi update for No Man's Sky, a game that has had a revival and somehow is still uh, kicking and adding new stuff. Fortnite Chapter Two Season Two is here as well. It seems to be themed around spies. I don't know if you uh, if you looked into that, Louis. I know you're a, a bit of a Fortnite fan. I have not played it yet. It's already it's already dropped, but I probably won't get around to it until around next week's show. I can get mm-hmm. more into detail on that. Cool. There's also some new uh, Super Nintendo and NES games dropping on Nintendo Switch Online. Um, those games are. Pop and Twinbee, Smash Tennis, Shadow of the Ninja, and Eliminator Boat Duel. I've actually never played any of these games. I think so. two of them, if I'm not mistaken, were Japanese-only exclusive games. Okay, cool. So maybe maybe that's the the first time that uh, the people around here might uh might might get to play them. Uh, and let's look into some other. Let's see what other uh, releases are coming out. Dreams. Uh, Dreams just came out, or rather, yeah, Dreams just came out last week. I believe we talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's getting really good reviews, by the way. So I, I believe it's up there as one of the top reviewed games of the year so far. So as far as dreams goes, I just wanted to go into some of like the some of the things that I've been seeing. I've been seeing some Sonic recreated levels, and I think that's pretty awesome. I saw like Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid, Spyro, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I've seen a lot of things created. I've seen like the Joker scene from the movie, like the Joker movie, the Joaquin. Phoenix, oh yeah, I think I where... might have seen that one. Yeah, like how it was recreated and like he's dancing around to the same song. And then there was also um, uh, Bob's Burgers. I've seen a lot of cool things and it's just so awesome that like that you can do anything in dreams and just the creativity of the internet on display is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bayonetta and Vanquish, uh, two classics by Platinum Games, just dropped in a little... Uh package deal on ps4 on february 18th so if you haven't played that and you're interested you may want to check that out on the same day uh hunt showdown also dropped on ps4 and xbox one uh the bayonetta and vanquish combo is also available on xbox one by the way the devil may cry 3 special edition on the switch which i heard adds a lot of new content as well uh drop drops on the switch today or yesterday by the time you listen to this there's uh there uh, oh yeah kingdom hearts is uh some of the kingdom hearts games are coming to xbox 
So HD 1.5 plus 2.5 remakes and 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue are hitting, uh, just hit Xbox on February 18th. And last uh, month's DLC, uh, the Remind DLC that came on the PS4 is now hitting Xbox One um, on February 25th. Mm-hmm. And that's all I see for uh, major releases right now. Please cut me off if you have anything you want to add, Lewis. All right. So Mega Man Zero ZX Legacy Collection is dropping on February 25th on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Samurai Showdown is getting a Switch port on the February 25th as well. And also uh, One Punch Man, a hero nobody knows, is uh, dropping on February 28th, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So cool that's pretty much it for February releases. All right. Now for the Broke Gamers Guide, if you have no money and you want to get some games, on the Epic Store, the free games this week are Faria and Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Assassin's Creed Syndicate is one of those that one of the one of the few entries in the franchise that I never played like at all. Um, Isn't that the first game in the series where there's a female protagonist? N- no, I think that was that was the one in the Vita, wasn't it? Oh, okay. I, well, the Vita one would have been like 2D side-scrollers. Mm. No, no, no. There was, before that even happened, uh, in parallel with like Assassin's Creed 3, I'm pretty sure there was like a mainline Assassin's Creed game in the in the Vita that had a female like in the cover, like as the protagonist of the game. But I'll have to look that up to know for sure. <laughs> Tell me what so, I'm talking about. So as far as, uh, I, they have given away an Assassin's Creed game before um, on... Um, Epic Game Store. So one of the requirements is that you have to have an uh, a U, an Ubisoft account or a UPlay account or whatever the what whatever the word is. They you have to have one of those accounts, and so when you redeem it, you have to sign in to your account in order to play it. Mm-hmm. So just an FYI to those that are going to be redeeming it. So sounds good. Now any other uh any other interesting deals going on right now? Let's see. We got some uh we got some deals at Best Buy. Some uh, some of the games that you can get, you can get uh, Breath of the Wild on the Switch for $10 off. You can get uh, Control on PS4 for $40 right now. Um, you can get uh, A Way Out on Xbox One for $750, Control for $40 as well. You can get both of the Unravel games for $6.60 each. And uh, Titanfall 2 was a free game of the month on PSN a couple of months ago. If you didn't redeem it, it's 5 bucks. Mm-hmm. It looks like on PC though. The looks of it. And on the on the on the PSN, they have an essential pick sale right now on the PSN store that has a lot of great deals too, including uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is forty five bucks right now. And it's a fairly recent game. You can also get The Witcher three complete edition for fifteen dollars. So if you watch the show and you never play The Witcher and you want to get into it, so that would be a good uh, a good moment to do so. Uh, but yeah, there's always a variety of deals out there. So look for One them. Of these days, I'm going to get back into Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, but. Yeah, if you want to play alongside of me, it's 45 bucks. <laughs> That's right. Uh, going back to it's the final week of the month, so don't forget to redeem your PSN, your PS Plus, and your Xbox uh, games with gold. So That's right. get your indie game, uh, indie critical darling, Bioshock, the collection. <laughs> and also, uh, I want to give a shout out to the original Star Wars Battlefront on the Xbox original xbox so you can get it on the xbox one and it's backwards compatible and uh just plugging my youtube channel yet again shameless plug <laughs> youtube youtube.com slash music with Machaka. i did a play uh a let's play of battlefront 2 for the ps2 so it's a similar in gameplay mm-hmm. uh when you if you want to check it out sounds great 
definitely go check that out. Now onto our show topic. A new video game movie just came out. It's Sonic, the one that uh, the internet loves or the one that had the tortured development cycle where they originally released the trailer with the design that everybody hated and then everybody talked about it and then they actually changed the whole movie and redid the whole character, which I was very surprised about in an unexpected turn of events. Um and the movie just came out, and surprisingly, it sounds like it's good. And it's also grossing very well. Uh, the live-action Sonic the Hedgehog film grossed $57 million at the U.S. box office in its opening weekend, outpacing Detective Pikachu to set a new record for video game adaptations. I thought that would make... Or actually, Lewis thought it, that, would, that would make it a, a good reason for us to uh, talk about video game movies today for or uh, for a topic of the show. So to start... Can you, uh, why don't, you watch the Sonic movie, right? Yes, I did. I watched it with my nephews. Uh, they're mm-hmm. eight and four years old. Oh, and perfect. And Sonic, Sonic is relevant to them because he's in Smash. So that's how they knew who he was. That's interesting. And what did you think of the movie? I loved it, actually. I have, I went in there with, like, uh, no, almost no expectations. I guess, like, I guess for me, like, the reason why the game, the movie was so good is because I expected so little of it that, mm-hmm. like, making, being moderately good or just okay makes it amazing by comparison Mm -hmm. i think that's the way i can explain it um i I, it's been a long time since i've seen jim carrey pull that pull off his ace ventura uh Uh stick and so i think that it was awesome that um he went in there and he killed it he was the best dr robotnik he had he was so cartoony and he was just pulling his weight when it comes to that movie i think the movie needed more sonic and more robotnik and little less human characters but um I, I thoroughly enjoyed it throughout. It hit. It was just fun. It was a good time. It. I'm a. I'm a bit of a child at heart, so I can just kind of like go with it. And you know, there's a couple of jokes in there that were just kind of like, eh. But you know, beyond that, right. um, well, like I give an example. There was a fart joke, and fart to me, for, to me, fart jokes are like the lowest common denominator when it comes to like humor. So for sure. I don't think it deserved to be in there, but I guess that's cool. And then he was doing some Fortnite dances. Sonic is just being hip and cool. So mm-hmm. good adaptation since he was so hip and cool in the nineties. So right, you gotta right. appeal to the kids these days. I wonder. Which he did. I wonder how many kids are gonna be introduced to Sonic as a character for the first time through a movie like this. Like if that's gonna be a thing because Sonic games. I don't even want to say. I don't even want to be mean and say that they're not relevant anymore. I think they're they're still good Sonic games coming out despite like how much people make fun of it. Um, but I feel like the people that play the new Sonic games nowadays are the people that grew up with Sonic in the 90s that still have foundness for it. And that's usually the audience that some of these new games are trying to appeal to. So like Sonic Mania was very loved and that was clearly a game that was, you know, like appealing to the nostalgia of classic 2D Sonic. Um, so it's interesting to think kind of similar with like Detective Pikachu as well. Like I wonder if, uh, well, kids will probably know Pokemon Go at least nowadays, but you know that could that could be one of the initial introductions for some kids to Pokemon as well. And I think that's part of why they make these movies. Yeah, and also uh, to complete complete your headline, I know you read the headline fifty seven million dollars in its opening weekend, uh, which you uh, may have forgotten to mention is that this Valentine's Day weekend was also a holiday weekend. It was President's mm-hmm. Day, and that's a lot right. of kids were out of school, so ended up making seventy million dollars in four days. Oh wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I would I would never have expected that. I I initially I was thinking this movie was gonna totally bomb. So <laughs> likewise, uh, yeah, good for them. All right. So also, let's also just uh, I just wanted to say about the Sonic movie. Uh, shout out to the post credit scene. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, that's it. Is, I don't want to give a spoiler. Does uh does Iron Man show up on it? <laughs> you know what? I honestly predicted that they were gonna have Detective Pikachu just show up and he says, I want to talk to you about the Smash Brothers initiative. <laughs> oh man, that would have been so cool. Well yeah, that, that, that no, I'm disappointed that, that that's not the case though. <laughs> yeah. Not like I would have believed you anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, no, let's talk about like other video game movies and video game movies. Let's start with video game movies in general. What do you think about them? Like as as like a general thing. They suck. Um, Hollywood (laughs) doesn't know how to adapt them because they just a bunch of suits just basically saying, hey, let's just make something. Let's just make a quick buck. I feel Mm -hmm. like as a majority um, up until like the last six years, they were just saying, hey, let's this is popular. Uh, Let's make some bank out of it and like just throw something on screen. People will pay to watch it. Do you, do you think we're seeing a bit of a turn on it, though, that, yes. that they're getting better recently? Yes, as an actual... Okay, so I made a ranking of the top 10, uh, my favorite top 10 video game movies. And, like, a, like most of them are all 2014 and, and, and a beyond. Like, mm-hmm. very little of it is, like, the older movies, even though they're on my honorable mentions. It's just, it's very interesting that the, just the overall quality of the movies are just getting better. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so let's, let's hear it. Let's start with your honorable mentions. All right, let's see here. So I just want to first start off with my first honorable mention is some a movie I didn't see. I've just seen the trailers and it's been, it's on my to do list to watch. <laughs> uh, but I heard it was also horrible, so I don't. I mean, I may want to just keep it that way. Assassin's Creed, simply because he had Michael Fassbender and he's an amazing oh, actor. Oh man, I'm, okay. So we got to talk about this. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, so when when uh, when we wanted to do this topic, I was like, oh man, I don't know. I haven't watched like too many video game movies, and I I don't remember them very well. Like I've, I've watched some like when I was younger, but they didn't really stick with me, and I haven't really pursued them recently. Uh, I almost kind of avoid them most of the time. But I've actually watched Assassin's Creed, like 2016's Assassin's Creed, in theaters twice. Not because wow. I wanted to see it twice, but because. I saw it, and then there was a circumstance where, like, I was with other people that wanted to see it too, so I saw it again. And I'll tell you that I actually like that movie. (laughs) I don't like. I watched it, and like, would I sit here and tell you that it's like a phenomenal movie? No. Would I tell you that it's an amazing adaptation of the source material? Probably not. But I thought it did. Like, it brought in the source material to like. I I felt like Assassin's Creed was like a cohesive decent like seven out of ten movie that you could watch and totally enjoy yourself with no knowledge of the game and if you did have knowledge of the game you would probably enjoy it a little bit more but also without hitting hitting you over the head with like a million references or at least i didn't feel that way so to me it was like okay i'm I'm okay with this like i almost felt like that was to me like a good example of what a video game movie should be but also i say that as somebody that has watched very few of them so <laughs> i know a lot of people don't like the assassin's creed movie but i liked it so just just putting in my defense there yeah i mean i do want to check it out and um it's something that i was it was in that renaissance period where like that movie came out where all these video game movies were coming out mm-hmm. uh so another honorable mention was warcraft and everyone's talking about hyping it up that between assassin's creed and warcraft and i think it was another movie around that time period it's like we're gonna have a renaissance of video game movies they're gonna be good you know mm-hmm. like that kind of thing so um so i just have a lot of shout outs so dead or alive uh that was a that was a movie that happened <laughs> when, when did um, that come out I believe it was 2007, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. I didn't have it the top, off the top of my head. Uh, okay, but that's fine. I think it's because I was 2006. Oh, 2006. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, so I, I remember watching that movie. It was a lot of fights, and it was pretty hot. It was pretty cool. 
<laughs> you said it was pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> I did almost. I tried to correct myself. I, I caught you there. <laughs> I wonder why a Dead, Dead or Alive movie would be pretty hot, huh? How unusual. Mm, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Uh, Prince of Persia. Shout out to Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, oh, I watched that too. That one was. Uh, I thought that one was good too. Yeah, but, I think that it was a very good retelling of the PS2 original game. So, mm, all right. Um, the Hitman movies, uh, especially the newer one, Agent Forty Seven. In 2015, mm-hmm. pretty awesome. And uh, let's see, Silent Hill was actually pretty scary. And I'm gonna save my last honorable mention until I get to my top ten, and I'll honorable mention it there. So those are my honorable mentions. Uh, so at number ten, I cheated. It's six movies in one at number ten. Oh, it's the Resident Evil series. Yes, the Resident <laughs> Evil series. But if I had to like whittle it down, I would say just the first two. Like they were very Resident mm-hmm. Evil in like the the video game sense. And like uh, with three and beyond, they just kind of deviated into action movie sense. It's just like generic action movie. Um, although shout out to Resident Evil Four because they brought in like um, what was his name Wesker or whatever I forgot his name, but he's uh, he was in Marvel vs. Capcom. He had shades and he has like really cool, fast, super uh, uh, speedster like flash like abilities. So mm-hmm. cool. those are pretty dude. Cool. I feel like I feel like the Resident Evil movies have like a following off their own. That's like totally separate from the like following other games like I'm, I'm sure there's like overlap but i see them like as like two like you know like the what's the name of that kind of diagram it's like the, there's like the, the venn diagram sort of, yeah yeah there's like a very like, little overlap yeah i, I can but see it, that's that being just true me. well i mean like i for me i just like to i enjoy those movies um on a, well not ironically but more so just because they're just generic action movies so right yeah um, all right what else at, at number nine i have doom 2005 Mm. Uh, shout out to The Rock and Carl Urban. I think the movie only cracks into the top 10 simply because of the uh, the one take uh, first person perspective shot that re- mimicked the video game. And I think that <laughs> was the best sequence in the entire movie, hands down. Mm-hmm. Do you know which part I'm talking about? I, I've actually never watched this movie. So, yeah, so okay, I, so I haven't they, watched they, a lot of these movies. So they basically recreated the video game by um, making it take place in the first person perspective. And he has the gun in front of him and he's shooting like basically like the video game. So, That's pretty cool. There yeah. was actually there was like a whole movie, wasn't there? Like a couple of years ago. It wasn't I don't think it was based on a video game, but I remember seeing trailers for this where there was a movie that the whole movie was in first person. Um, and it was. Oh, like yeah, there is. A it's a uh, it's damn it. Ah, I remember the name of the movie. It's like Hardcore Henry. That's what it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there was that one. And then there's uh, at number seven. Oh, no, wait, no, I'm skipping number eight. At number eight, I'm going to also give another shout out to The Rock. Rampage. <laughs> mm. I like that movie. It was really good. It was, I played Rampage on the PS1 growing up and it pretty much uh, uh, delivered on like the, the action front, you know, let them fight kind of thing. So. Dude, The Rock is in so many movies recently. <laughs> I feel like it's like you you can go to the movie. Like I feel like nowadays you can go to the movies to watch a movie that The Rock is in, and you can see a trailer. You can see like two trailers for other movies that The Rock is in. So he's that in, was one of the. Go ahead. He's in movies year round. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like th- that was one movie where like I saw. I remember seeing the trailers for it. I was as I was watching like probably other like rock movies and just being like, oh, okay, just another rock movie. <laughs> just as Hobbs and Shaw leaves theater, Jumanji two takes its place. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, it's a game movie in a way. <laughs> oh, that is true. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even a put board it on my game list. Movie. Yeah. Um. So now number seven, I have uh, Tomb Raider 2018. 
uh, uh, Alicia Vikander did a really good job of emulating the t uh, the, re the 2013 reboot of, to of Tomb Raider. I thought it was a very good like um, source material to movie adaptation. Mm -hmm. That's one of those that I want to get to eventually because I do love that Tomb Raider trilogy, um, but I just I just haven't gotten to it. Yeah, they recreated the sequences like that was when she was in the river and a lot of like the plane sequence when it's falling apart. Like so mm -hmm. everything that happened in like the original 2013 like video game, they, they recreated it in live action or, you know, CGI, another CGI cutscene, you know, <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's not real. But yeah, yeah so cool. uh, so this is where I wanted to put my last honorable mention, uh, the Angelina Jolie uh, Tomb Raider movies. You know, oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody watched those movies for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I see. I see a theme with your comments today, Louis. <laughs> no, well, I, I mean, uh, I will say that she definitely like looks like Laura Croft, like beyond, from beyond, that time, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I yeah, no, I I remember watching those as a kid, and I I I enjoyed those movies for for what they were worth back then as well. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. <laughs> All right, and number six, I got the Angry Birds movie from 2016. Really, I have not seen the second movie, but. Um, it's on my to-do list, but I think that the movie was actually pretty good. It was pretty fun. Like mm -hmm. I, I just popped it in. Like one day I was like, I was traveling, I was in a hotel room and I had time to kill. So I just kind of put it right. in and then it was like, okay, it didn't offend me. And it was pretty decently good. Yeah. And like the characters were, were portrayed accurately to like how they well, kind of the come across in the, in the app. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised by that one, but sure. <laughs> I don't think it's offensive. All right. So here we go. The top five. This is where the gems are. Mm -hmm. All right, at number five, Pokemon, the first movie. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking, like, my mind was such, like, in the live-action realm that I wasn't even thinking of the, the animated movies. But, yeah, the 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 original Pokemon movie, at least, like, like at that, you know, once again, it's, like, one of those, like, time and place kind, kind of thing. But I I loved that movie so much as a kid, and I, I, I owned it in, like, VHS and everything, and I watched it so many times. And, yeah, that's that's kind of one of the all-time classics, like, classic, yeah. like, video game movies in a way. I think it's been recently remade, too. Yeah, it got Netflix bought the rights to it, and so there's a CGI recreation of that movie. Mm -hmm. um, so you can, I think it's coming out on Netflix, I think, next week, if it's not already out, but I'm pretty sure it's next week. Okay. And um, I just wanted to give a shout out to the scene where where Pikachu and all the Pokemon cry. It makes me cry and tear up. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the... watching that scene on YouTube alone just makes me like just yeah, it hits me in the feels. Mm, I I totally relate. <laughs> oh yeah, and also as a separate side note, that my entire list is based off of theatrical uh, movies that were um, in the U.S. So mm. unfortunately, Street Fighter Two, the animated movie, does not qualify since it was. A straight to home video in the United States where it came out in theaters in Japan and in some countries in Europe. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and number four, I'm putting Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I think we've said enough about it. It's it's a good movie. It's fun. It's a good time. Uh, kids and adults can enjoy it. Yeah, I got to check it out. Uh, at number three, I have a, a video game movie that's completely made up. Like it's, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's Need for Speed from 2014. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a video game movie in name only because Need for Speed doesn't have a plot, but mm -hmm. that movie just was amazing. I remember like feel, leaving the theater feeling so hyped because uh, even part of the marketing campaign is talking about how none of, the, none of the stuff is CGI. Everything that was shot with practical effects, it was real stunts, real cars, and like, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, that's so awesome. And mm -hmm. the movie was actually pretty good, and it was Aaron Paul, you know, coming off of his hot streak from Breaking Bad. So yeah. I think it was a good movie. Cool. 
At number two is uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Ryan yep. Reynolds just killed it, and there was definitely a lot of like uh, chemistry between uh, Ryan Reynolds and um, I forgot the other actor's name, but the guy from Jurassic World. Um, but whatever, uh, Justice Smith, I think is his name. Yes. And so it was, uh, it was a very good movie. It was it was like buddy cop kind of uh, a good take on on that kind of formula and. And there's a lot. It's not saying it's not predictable, but it's definitely it's definitely cool. I think the the background elements of oh, who's that Pokemon is really awesome. Yeah. And the I, um, I very rarely get like very excited for a movie where I'm like watching trailers and I'm in anticipation for it, and I go watch it like kind of like day one or like opening weekend. But that was actually one of those that I did because I guess like I. I'm kind of like a jaded Pokemon fan in a way. I, I know there's people that still, you know, follow through and play all the games nowadays and et cetera. But I, I used to be such a huge fan. You know, I, I played the games and then I was also a huge fan just of the property as a whole as a kid. And like I had like uh, plushes and, and I, I would watch like the, the show a lot and et cetera. It meant so much to me then. And uh, I, I think it's it to me like watching those trailers. I kept being like, oh, my God, this movie would have been like my dream when I was 10, you know, like this would have been the thing that I would be like the most excited about ever. So those feelings kind of like came back to me as like, I was like watching trailers for that movie. And it's just like, I don't know. I just thought they did such a good job with it. And, and watching the movie, it's like, you know, I, I, I liked some things. I didn't like other things, but ultimately I, I came out of the theater was with a smile and I was like, this was such a good time. And, you know, I'm, it kind of, it kind of, made the kind of the child in me uh come out a little bit and and i i I just had a really good time with it that that one is definitely up there yeah i think what you said kind of like the child coming out of you know like um i think that both of that detective pikachu and sonic both Mm -hmm. hit those notes at the same time for me and i think that's why for me i just think that the reason why i put detective pikachu over sonic is because i think the movie was funnier Mm -hmm. uh, and also like the action sequences were were better executed Mm -hmm. Uh, just me personally that's not to give anything or take anything away from sonic right um i just um i just wanted to say that the um i wanted to give a shout out to the pokemon designs like really i mean uh Mm -hmm. they were some really good interpretations of them in the real world and i also want to give a shout out to the mr mime scene that was the best scene (laughs) the funniest scene that's ever like i laughed so hard it was so funny that i'd seen it in the trailers like so many times and there was still like a little there was some parts to it that that were in the movie that were not in the trailers and yes just like even harder in the movie i'm so glad they held it back yeah so yeah, um, and okay. So uh, my final one is my number one. Do you want to take a guess at what my number one movie is? Um, is it the Mortal Kombat movie? Yes. <laughs> 1995's Mortal Kombat. Oh wow! Now, out of all of these movies, I will come out on go out on record and say that definitively, it is probably the worst movie. But it's so bad in all the right ways. <laughs> Uh, it's like not. Uh, I can I can sit down and actually watch that movie unironically and just you know enjoy for what it is. And I also want to give a shout out to um, the the score or the composer or the songwriter because we got that Mortal Kombat. Da, 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 da. <laughs> like that just that is such a good song. Like and I, they made that song for that movie because there was no way that that was going to be in the Super Nintendo or an arcade cabinet at that time. So um, I, I just uh, I think they did a pretty good job of 
generally following the template that was laid out in the first game. Like it's a tournament. You're trying to uh, stop the, an invasion of another realm. So I, the movie was good and it had some really cool fight sequences. I wanted to give a shout out to the uh, Liu Kang versus uh, Reptile fight sequence. It was pretty cool. The bicycle kick from the video game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, really, I don't really have much more to say other than, um, you know, it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I have, like, very vague memories of that movie. I think I remember it, like, being on TV when I was a kid and then, like, watching parts of it. But, like, is the movie, like, really violent? Is it, like, R-rated or no? I don't know. I think that movie, I don't think it was was rated. I don't believe it was rated R. I mean, it it was a little, there was some fatalities in there. But, like, I think it might have been PG-13 because uh, they wanted to make sure they have kids, you know, buying movie tickets or being able to buy movie tickets. No, I, I remember watching that movie vaguely, like it being on TV and watching parts of it, but I, I don't have like very clear memories of it. I, I've never watched it as an adult, and I feel like I might have never even watched it like beginning to end. Uh, but I remember being kind of like mesmerized by it as a kid, just like. Well, like oh the God. CGI doesn't hold up to this day. I mean, it was even for that, even for back in those days, it was bad. Um, right. But as far as the movie, I did do a fact check. It was PG-13. And um, I also want to just give a shout out to the dumpster fire that was the sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It was mm-hmm. it was bad, but not even bad in a good way either. Um, <laughs> but bad. I did I did sit down and waste a whole night or, or waste a whole 90 minutes or however long it was watching uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation on Netflix uh, randomly on a on some random weekday night mm-hmm. just because I had nothing better to do. And I don't know. I just want I just I was scrolling through my Netflix and then I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just watch it. And then, boom, I just popped it in and watched it. And it was just bad. <laughs> I'm looking through the list of video game movies now and like kind of seeing if there's any other that I have something to say about, like like uh, most of the ones that I've seen or am more or less familiar with were in your list, with the exception of the House of the Dead movie that. I remember watching when I was probably too young to watch that kind of movie. And I remember like, at least for my, uh, in, in like brain at the time who, uh, used to play house of the dead two in the arcades and didn't really know much of what was going on. I felt like the movie had nothing to do with the game, but, um, maybe I would feel a uh, different now, but I remember we rented that at blockbuster and then we watched it at home with like my dad and stuff. And I was probably like, like 11 or something watching this like horror movie um but it had like this whole like religious like aspect to it as well so that's one of the few other ones that i that i remember seeing yeah so super mario brothers uh in 93 was like the first big like hollywood uh, movie and that's the one that is often reminded as like it often reminds us of why maybe we shouldn't do this <laughs> <laughs> And even um, like uh, uh, the late uh, Bob Hoskins, he's even gone on record as saying that he regretted doing the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo definitely regretted it too. But they're they're <laughs> they're working on a new one now, like a, a new uh, animated uh, Mario movie with the people that made uh, Minions uh, Illumination. Mm-hmm. Which, in terms of upcoming movies, it looks like there's a Monster Hunter movie coming out this year on September fourth. Uh, and then for the next couple of years, we're going to be seeing a sequel to uh, Tomb Raider, a Minecraft movie, which I'm really curious about what that's going to be like. Uh, a new Mortal Kombat movie is coming out in uh, January 2021. Uh, and then there's the the Uncharted movie that's gone through like basically development hell at this point, but it's set to finally start filming uh, within a couple weeks. And that's the one that has uh, Tom Holland on it. Um, it's been yeah. so long that Mark Wahlberg went from being Drake to now being Sully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that for reals or is that a joke? 
Um, I think that was rumored at one point. I'm not sure if it's like <laughs> if it's inked or like oh, signed, man. <laughs> but I think he was in consideration. That's hilarious. That's freaking hilarious. I really he wonder was, what kind of take they're gonna have uh, on that movie. He was like actually signed on for a while before they changed directors. Um, mm-hmm. He was signed on to be Drake. Anyway, so that's it. Well, let us know about your favorite or you know or the the ones that you think are the best or the the worst uh, video game movies in your opinion. By tweeting at Ready Press Play, I might be tweeting something asking for responses. Maybe we'll read them next week. Or feel free to also email us at readypressplay at gmail.com. So before we close out this topic here, I just yeah, wanted to ask ahead. you one last thing. Do you think that video game movies have gotten better? I feel like like based on the few that I've seen and, and not necessarily watched in completion, but just kind of seeing them around and seeing trailers and et cetera, I do feel like they've gotten better and I feel like they're going to continue getting better, which shout out to another uh, movie that I wanted to uh, to mention as well, Wreck-It Ralph, which is not a video game adaptation into a movie directly, but it's one of those more like a movie inspired by video games. And then we got things in a similar vein. We got things like... Uh, Ready Player One and Scott Pilgrim and oh, yeah, et cetera. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so they um, take video gamey elements and put them in there, like, the, you know, the extra life, the yeah. one-up kind of thing. And those oh, are cool, too. And actually, uh, now that you reminded me, I also want to give a shout-out to um, Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie. Mm. Uh, called. It's also known as Live, Die, Repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a very interesting of the respawn mechanic. Mm-hmm. I, I have not seen that uh, that yet either. But, but yeah, I, I think that... We're getting to a point where as like video games grow and become sort of more accepted and, and common in society and the people that are making these movies are people that actually grew up playing video games and maybe that still play video games and et cetera. I think the tendencies that we're going to, the quality is probably going to improve. And there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are very negative about video game movies and say, you know, why, why, why are we doing this? We should just stop doing them or whatever. But I actually think there's a lot of potential there and I... I, I'm actually excited to to see more uh, video game movies be made. And I, I think there's something kind of cool about how even though video games uh, get broader and, and the audience that plays video games gets bigger every year and it's getting more mainstream and et cetera, um, there's still like a lot of games that are not um, experienced by the majority of people in the world. And I feel like a movie might be a more approachable way to introduce uh, people to honestly like great stories. So for instance, I often think about the last of us, right? So right. the last of us is a phenomenal game with a phenomenal story. And I think the proper way to experience this story is through playing the game. That is the best way to experience that story. However, I do know people, you know, uh, I have people in my life that uh, will never sit down and play through all of the last of us, but that I wish could, you know, at least experience what the story was and understand what the story was, right? And I think that if there was a Last of Us movie that adapted the story of the game, that would be a cool way to be like, hey, let's watch this movie together and then you can see why I like this game so much, you know? Um, And I know it's not like a one-to-one, but I feel like just the idea of just, just making certain games even more mainstream, making their stories even more mainstream than they are, I think that potential is is good and i think it's good for the games industry in the long run too cool yeah all right it's time for sharing the love we do this segment every week where we bring in stories from our past about games that we love or that have impacted us in some way and it's your turn 
it's my turn today, and I've thought about a couple different things that I could do today, so I'm trying to think of which one I want to go with. And you know what? I'm going to go very basic and simple today. I'm not going to come in with a, with a big story or anything. I'm just going to share the love uh, by you know, uh, praising a game that I really like and that you may, you may, I have a feeling you're going to be on the other side of this, uh, with me, Louis, but, uh, it's a game that I feel, especially nowadays doesn't get enough love and it actually gets a lot of hate and I vehemently disagree with it, but I respect it. And that game is the legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Have you ever played Skyward Sword, Louis? I have not. You have not. I have played a majority of the Zelda uh, mainline games, and that is one of the few cracks that I have not uh, checked off. So Skyward Sword came out on the Wii in 2011, and at the time it got great reviews. It actually got 10 out of 10 from IGN. Rich George reviewed it. Um, and I think like it, at, at the time it kind of made, like it had like really positive reception from what I remember. Like I had been so excited for that game leading up to it. You know, I'm... I'm relatively young and I'm I'm a bit of a novice to the Zelda series in a way because the first the first Zelda game I played was actually Twilight Princess and then I went back and played Ocarina of Time uh later with the with the 3DS remake and that was like I think that came out like a couple months before Scarred Sword. So Scarred Sword I feel like was the first game where I was like I was really excited for a new Zelda and then when it came out like I got it like day one or like really close to when it came out and I like I played through it and I and I finished it um, within like I guess a couple weeks or something. I did a lot of the side stuff on it as well, and I just like I love that game. I think the that whole game was built on the one to one, like like close to one to one like sword and uh, and I, like item mechanics uh, with the Wii mote. Uh, so it was built around motion controls, which I feel like is where not all, but a good portion of the criticism comes from is like that, that it was like obnoxious or whatever. But uh, like at the time, I remember being like mind blown by it, like by the fact that um, by the fact that I could, you know, actually be holding that sword and that it actually meant something, especially coming off of like Twilight Princess, where it was all just like waggle you know you just waggle the Wiimote through the game and you can do everything this was a game where you actually had to like think through your actions and that like you would get actually physically better at using the items as you play through the game and that was the way that you would progress further into the game and do better and that game also has phenomenal dungeons it has one of the best stories in the Legend of Zelda games, in my opinion. Um, it has like a really cool story with like really cool like plot twists at the end. It sets up the entirety of the Legend of Zelda universe. Like it's the game that represents the beginning of that universe. And if you actually play through it and you finish it, it makes sense. Like they're they they have all these breadcrumbs that are supposed to indicate like what's gonna happen next and how it ties into everything else. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure it was during that time. Then Nintendo was like, "Oh, we have a like a we have a Zelda timeline now," and I think that was that was like kind of the game that helped them bring that all together in some form. Yeah, uh, I have I have Hyrule Historia. That's the name of the book, and mm-hmm. yes, it does have the uh, official timeline on there at the time. Uh, but then they also wrote in in the same book. They also wrote a, a disclaimer saying that um, in so many words, they said that Nintendo has the right to change the timeline as they see fit. Mm-hmm. And uh, which they did. They did change uh, one of the orderings of one of the games in a later mm-hmm. um, and another timeline when Breath and of the, the Wild and, came and out. And the Zelda timeline is also like a weird thing where it's like it's uh, 
it's honestly something that they decided to come up with when they realized that people wanted to see it. You know what I mean? It's it's clearly not something that was properly planned, but I just think there was like there's a lot of good in Skyward Sword. There's great characters. There's amazing music. Like I love the music of that game. Um, I think they they did a really cool dungeons. There's a really a lot of really cool mechanics in the game. Uh, and I think that you know the the Wiimote stuff. Yeah, it's probably hard to go back to now that we're so past that. But at the time, you know the I I do feel like there was I at least personally. I still like the idea of um, motion controls being done properly in a game, and I I thought that was a game that actually did it properly. With the and, and I understand the criticisms that you know there's the there's times when you have to uh, like you had to like sync uh, or like recalibrate or whatever your Wiimote like um, like very often while playing the game. Uh, you also it was also a game that you require the Wii Motion Plus to be played uh which was thanks to that they were able to do like the the more like one-to-one uh control of the sword and etc but i just the diagonal strikes and then the horizontal strikes and the vertical strikes in order to like kill the plants or the enemies yeah exactly so there's a lot of that um and and there's you know there's some uses of it that get tired like um after a certain amount of time but I just I love the game at the time and I haven't gone back and played it since. But it, it's just a game that whenever people talk about Zelda nowadays, they talk about this game as if it was like like the the black sheep of the <laughs> of the Zelda uh, fandom and the, or the black sheep of the Zelda games. And I it kind of it kind of brings me a little bit of sadness to my heart because I, I think there's a lot of good stuff in that game. And I think if people could get past the motion controls aspect of it and also the fact that it has a little bit of a long tutorial kind of similar to twilight princess i think people would uh would enjoy it more so yeah so i just want i have uh, i have seen a lot of like video essays about um skyward sword and uh so one of the common the common like uh criticisms that i see about it is that the game has you uh back traveling a lot to the same places the same locales to reuse the assets of the environment uh do you think that it does a lot of that so, in my opinion, at the time, that was actually one of the things that I liked about the game because what they do is there's uh there's like three main environments in the game, but they're not like they're not like a little like level or something. They're like this big they're like they felt like big areas. Um but then you go through the three environments in order and then you have to go through them again a second time and I think there might be a third time though I don't remember very well. There's definitely a second time. But when and you, you go also to... have to fight a boss over and over again, that part sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so there's a boss fight that you have to do like I think it was like three times, and that boss fight was annoying and frustrating. So take that out. When you're backtracking to the to the previous like kind of like environments that you've been in, every time you go back to them, they change the environment significantly. There's like something that happened to that environment where it's now like. Like the one I remember the most is that there's this forest, but then when you go back to it, the forest has been flooded and now the whole area is underwater and it completely changes how you play through it. So I actually think that's, in my opinion, like cool game design where it's like, oh, this was when they planned this, they planned it in a way that made sense for this part of the game, but it also makes sense for this other part of the game in a different way. Um, It's kind of how in, uh, 
you know, I, I actually uh, heard about this in a game design class. And uh, I, I think it's the original Kingdom Hearts game where eventually you get the ability to fly and then you can go back to previous worlds that you've been in and find like new like secrets because now you can fly. And I felt like it's almost like kind of Metroidvania in that sense. And I, I felt like if anything, that's what Skyward Sword did. And I didn't hold it against it. I thought it was enjoyable. And then I felt like there was enough to explore in the game because even in the sky, you could fly around on your bird. I can't remember what they were called. The like loft Loftwing. Wing. Loftwing. Yeah, you could fly around on the Loftwing and find like other islands, like other sky islands that you could go to that had like side quests and different things that you could do. And I don't know. I just felt like it was like um, a very like enjoyable, polished, like good game and um like i said like like a great story one that actually like like kind of moved me at the time like i got really into it i got really into the characters it has one of the best zeldas in my opinion it has like a great like link and zelda like relationship in fact it's one of the few games where i feel like they actually developed their relationship as something uh deeper um while like a lot of the, the a lot of the games before that had like had it like very um in a very superficial manner right um in that game like link and zelda's like relationship towards each other is like a major like um a major like kind of pillar of the game even and the whole story kind of surrounds uh surrounds it um and there's so many references as well like especially when i was like i played ocarina of time and then going from ocarina of time to scarred sword there are so many things from ocarina of time that they're in a way kind of setting up in scarred sword and I just think it I, I think it totally belongs in the like in the timeline of Legend of Zelda. I think it totally belongs as one of the kind of in my mind like essential Zelda games that like build up like the core like lore of uh of the universe and I hate that it's been totally like sidelined and people are basically like, "Yeah, fuck that one." <laughs> well, let me ask um, you this and this I know we're mm-hmm. running a little long on time here, but um I only have one last criticism to ask you about. Um, Go ahead. So does the game feel overly cumbersome with its uh, little circle wheel thing and its menus and like and how to like because doesn't it feel like it would be much more con- efficient to if you had like a regular like pro controller to to manage your items and you know go through the See, gameplay perhaps at the time i had no problem with it uh i definitely think i, I really want that game to get remastered uh in some way and released on the switch with like regular controls like they could still have the motion controls available as an option on the switch because you can do it with the joy cons um maybe not as well i'm not sure technologically uh technology wise uh whether it would be uh as good as the wii remote with the wii motion plus but um i definitely think this game deserves to be introduced to a new audience maybe with some freshness added to it maybe they can clean up some of the things that people are critical about maybe they can have uh full like kind of pro controller support or regular controller support I and think i think it would things... be impossible to port that way because of the control scheme um not necessarily i feel like it would take like a lot of work but i wouldn't say it's impossible there's there's multiple ways they could do it they could have like your right analog stick be like the sword sword slash but that that would probably that would probably have its own uh issues anyway okay all right that's all i have for today um any any final thoughts about anything that we talked about today Liz? no i think it was a pretty good show i think uh we didn't spend we didn't uh, overclock it with this with this episode so. yeah that's it uh let us know what you think uh in the 
I almost said in the comments below, but there's no comments below because you got this in a, in a podcast service all your choice. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at readypressplay at gmail.com or simply at readypressplay on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at the Dan Lima and Lewis at Chakalaka88. All across the board. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. Today, we're wrapping with Gate of Time from The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword as arranged by Chewie, also known as Nestor Estrada. Check out the full version on his YouTube channel called Tune In with Chewie, and you can get the link in the show notes. Thank you so much, and have a good rest of your week. Deuces.